Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 48 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. And Chris came in all enthusiastic today. It was really fun. We're just talking books before we even get the microphone plugged in. So so we're just going to dive right in. All right. Take it away, Emily. Well, you had a follow-up, I think, oh, yeah. from our you know, conversation about dialect in I the last did. I, it was kind of sticking in my craw, uh, the whole issue of dialect. And what I said about here in the United States that we have more accents than dialects, but... I looked up dialect and what it means a little bit more specifically and that it is just a form of a language that's particular to a specific region or even a social group. Mm, So a dialect is in part just an accent, um, regional differences and stuff. Because I was thinking about the example I gave about being in Germany and the first time hearing the the Dresden dialect, right? Especially after the wall came down, when they their language was a little bit more contained for a while, or the linguistic influences, and then Starnon talking about the Nepalese mm-hmm. or Nepal- Neapolitan yeah. dialect, and then I thought back to when I was a young Marine and I was dating this guy who was from Louisiana in the bio, like, and when he when he first when we first met, I could not understand what he was saying. Like, and he was fresh, like out of boot camp. We were both at our technical school, and it would be like, "Wait, what? Can yeah. you say that again?" <laughs> and I eventually got used to it. And he also probably lost some of his regional dialect as he was assimilated a bit more into generic American. Right. So, yeah. anyway, yeah, yeah, no, it's so true. It I mean, it it does affect you know, how we hear things, for mm-hmm. sure. I remember feeling that way in Ireland, like, I'm supposed to understand this language. <laughs> What's going on? Well, and you were talking, too, about age and the word like. Mm, yeah. And how like is such a thing for, our, like, our generation. Right. <laughs> I was saying to Chris in one of our uh, book adventures, our, our joint jaunts, I was saying to her that I can, when I started dating again, I could tell the age of a man Based on whether or not he said like, because my generation and lower says like all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think if my, I, I feel like <laughs> if you are 53 or older, you don't use like, but that is just my own personal research. That's not based on any fact. Oh. See, so. and I'm 52 and I say like, so I must have yeah. been cutting edge yeah. for my generation. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wanted to talk about um, the Great American Read. I'm I'm part of a a book club that I have yet to attend, but I really enjoy <laughs> getting the notices from um, Michelle, who I met through Booktopia, and uh, she alerted us to this. Meredith Vieira is the host of this show called The Great American Read on PBS. It's starting, I think, the first. Um, episode of it will be in about 12 days and what she's doing is taking viewers on a journey across the country to uncover the nation's 100 most loved novels Mm -hmm. and she put out this list of 100 novels so I will put a link to it in the show notes it's really fun to look at yeah they even when you go to the website they have a quiz to see how many you've read they also have a checklist that you can use and I went through it with Chris I went through it with Jim, the gentleman caller, and that was really fun. He's very well read. I'm not. <laughs> and it's just kind of interesting to see the hundred books that are on this list. Yeah. So. yeah it is, because there are some we hadn't heard of. Yeah. And others are typical, like, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird, of course, that would be on a, a great American 
read right. lists. But they're also not American authors, which was a misconception that I had when I saw the title. Yeah, so. just American reads. What America's what Americans read and think right. are great reads and Yeah. So check it out. I'll put it um the link to it in the show notes. Excellent. And, and you wanted to talk yeah. about Oh, just a, a upcoming awards. It is award season. There's been a brouhaha about Nobel Prize and literature won't be awarded this year because of their sexual scandal and leaking problems that they've been having. But there is another one coming out. Uh, the Lambda Literary Awards, the Lammies, will be announced on June 4th. So if you're looking for another award situation to follow, check them out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, it's kind of fun, you know, if you're looking, just like when we were talking about the Edgars, you know, if you're looking for some new reads, it's mm-hmm. always fun to just go and look. Some of them have a long list that then goes down to a short list, and some of them just have you know, nominees right up yeah, front. Yeah. yeah, it's really fun. Yeah, I like it a lot. I, they used to annoy me. For a while, I went through a phase where I was like, all these awards, and what's the point? And I mean, I think the point is helping publishers and writers sell books right, in part. Exactly. You know, and some yeah. of it is taste making and taste shaping and all that. But I think it's just it's just a neat way to especially when you look at something like the Edgars or the Lammies that are looking at a particular cohort of books. Mm-hmm. Is cohort the right word? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, types of writers and writing. I think it gives light to those, and it also exposes, at least me, to authors I'd never come across. Yeah, especially with something like the Edgars with the debut. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's a really cool category. Yeah. So I think it depends on the categories, you know. Yeah, but, yeah, definitely. Cool. All right, we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So what are you currently reading, Chris? Well, I'm currently reading the the library, and I talked about this one last time, A Catalog of Wonders by Stuart Kells. And this one is out now. It just came out from Coin- Counterpoint Books, and they're from Berkeley, California. And I, I was going to start another novel today or even last night, but I thought, no, I want to get into this a bit more because I'd started reading it and didn't get very far so that is what I'm currently reading and I'm really enjoying it it is definitely a catalog of wonders like it is as you can see well you can't see sorry listeners but Emily can see like I've well I guess you can't even see that but I've been highlighting a lot of stuff it's really fun and interesting just talking about libraries you know so it's like some of the history of the book and the history of libraries and how books and library design architecture how they've all kind of grown up together in some ways Mm, it's interesting that's really yeah it hits a lot of my a lot of my interests you know books architecture writing history this is the one that we talked about when you first got it a copy of it it's got a beautiful cover with trinity library Mm -hmm. picture on there which is such a beautiful library yeah so cool so again that's the library a catalog of wonders by Stuart pell's And I'm reading The Overstory by Richard Powers. I am loving this book. But it's 500 pages, and his writing is very dense. I talked about, I think, in a previous episode that I read his book, The Echo Maker, Mm -hmm. which I believe won the Pulitzer. Um, And he, he has a science background, so there is this book, The Overstory, has quite a bit of science. It's about trees. It's about nature. So it's very botanical in in nature. And I have to say that I will read about three pages and go, oh, okay, that was good. 
you know, it's got really tiny writing. So I this morning I really sat down and read for about an hour, which is the first time I've really done that with mm-hmm. it. And it's overdue at the library and on hold. Sorry, whoever's waiting. <laughs> so I'm hoping to finish it in the next day or so, but right. I still have 100 pages to go. So more, more to come nice. on that one. Nice. Well, I'm also reading, and this won't be any exciting book for most people, but um, I got the 17th edition of the Chicago Manual of Style. For writing? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. For- <laughs> I was like, Chris, you go, girl. Are you studying, you know, like skirt lengths no. or something? <laughs> no, no, no. This is a writing style guide. Because I had MLA is what I always yeah. used for the longest mm-hmm. time. And I feel like I needed, I needed something a little bit more all-encompassing. So I mm-hmm. talked with a couple editor friends, and they all recommended the Chicago Manual Style, which I had in the past. I don't remember what edition I had, but it was basically a doorstop. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think I looked at it once. Yeah. Um, so this one I thought I'm going to go through a little bit more methodically and actually... Good for you. You know, n- know how to use it effectively when I need it and things yeah. like that. Good for you. You know, I got through grad school, you know, I was a business major in undergrad, and then I get to grad school and I have to start writing all these papers, which I probably took one class in undergrad where I had to write papers. And I just ignored all of that stuff. I just ignored it. And then when I turned in my first paper, my professor said, this is a really nice opinion piece, but this is not a research paper. (laughs) So I was like, I guess I have to understand what all this formatting gibberish is, you know, and I had to learn. I I will say, I don't think I ever really got it right, Mm -hmm. but I got better at it, you know, so kudos to you to study oh yeah absolutely i used to teach writing the research paper i and and i enjoyed that a lot too bad i didn't meet you five years ago when i started (laughs) i think it's fun and it's not an easy thing you know Uh, but the chicago manual of style it's like that thick it's a huge thing well i um hopped down to new york the day before yesterday and i couldn't talk myself into bringing the overstory which I really yeah, wanted to bring. I remember we had a conversation yeah. about what to bring. Yes. Yeah, so I was I was literally wandering my house, which is not lacking in books, trying to figure out what to take. And then I decided I should bring my e-reader because okay. it was going to be a day of a lot of walking. So I had um, Alternate Side, Anna Quinlan's new book, oh, new cool. novel on there. So I started that on my way down and my way back from the city. And I'm really enjoying it. It's a very New York-centric novel. So if you like books that are kind of a love story to New York, this would probably be a good choice. I'm not far enough in to, you know, have any sort of opinion yet. But people do know, I think, that Anna Quinlan's one of my favorite writers. So So I did enjoy it. It was thoroughly entertaining on the train on the way there and back. So Alternate Side by Anna Quinlan. So what have you just read? I just read, and I talked about this on the prior episode, Make Trouble by Cecile Richards. And the subtitle of the book is Standing Up, Speaking Out, and Finding the Courage to Lead. And I have to say, it was a little depressing Mm. to me when I read it because... I felt like I'm not getting up every day and changing the world, which is what she's doing, you know. I mean, she's so involved and she was, you know, she was the president of Planned Parenthood. She just um, gave up her post last week Mm -hmm. was her last time as as on plan as the president. 
She's on this huge book tour with this book. I'm not sure what she's going to do next. I have a guess, which I don't think I said what I thought my guess was on the last episode. I don't think I did. So you, you thought she might run for office. I had that. I thought that, but she kind mm-hmm. of made it really clear when I saw her that that's not her gig. But I think what she's really interested in is getting people out to vote. Mm. So I think she might, you know, Hillary Clinton is starting a nonprofit where they're going to try to get more women in office Mm -hmm. in more local politics. I wouldn't be surprised if Cecile Richards works for that foundation. Oh, okay. You You heard heard it here here first. first. (laughs) 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 I mean, I really, I don't know. Something's telling me that or she's going to do something to get out the vote, Mm -hmm. you know, like get people registered to vote or something. I don't think we've heard the last of her. That's for sure. I think she just feels like she can do more, you know, to get people voting than she was doing at Planned Parenthood. But boy, did she do good work for Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. The book is, it's kind of, it does give you insight into the work of Planned Parenthood. It also gives you a lot of insight just into the behind the scenes of campaigning and being an organizer and how much work it is and... You know, her whole family, with, with the exception of her son, who's, I think, a chemist, are, they're all involved in, you know, politics in some way or another, mm-hmm. you know, and organizing and unions and things like that. So it's an impressive family. It was well written. It was a very fast read. And um, I highly recommend it. Just be prepared that you might feel badly about your little boring life after you read it that's how I felt so Emily and I'm sure that's not why she wrote it I know. no I think she wrote it to inspire people like she wants me to be saying oh, I'm quitting all my other jobs and going out to campaign you know or something yeah. but yeah but look um, at you you're talking about this yeah you're supporting true. important organizations you're volunteering you're true. out there thank you yeah doing the best I can absolutely but I do recommend it. And I think it would be a great gift for young people. Mm, you a know? good graduation gift, maybe? Yep, definitely okay. a great graduation gift. And, um, you know, anybody, I, I think it's a nice tonic for people who are feeling a little lost about mm-hmm. what's happening yeah. in the country. And I think it's, I, I think it is a good tonic for that, which is why she wrote it. Yeah. That's what she said. Yeah. So, cool. so again, it's Make Trouble by Cecile Richards. All right, so I um, DNF'd, that is, did not finish The Swarm Ah. by Frank Schatzig. And I did, I wrote a blog post about it, so um, I detailing my saga a little bit. Like, (laughs) so I was all excited. I read the first 200 pages, 250 pages I was into it. I would say it's not the world's best written book. The dialogue is very laughable at times the characters are kind of wooden you know kind of like the da vinci code but that had good pacing you know that kept you going um yeah that was a page turner this book lacked that for me and it's an 800 and something page book that's a lot of pages to get i i was approaching i was like around page 300 and i thought okay i need to make a plan a reading plan i want to get this finished by the end of the week so i kind of mapped out what i would need to read each day and and I just, even that, I think after I did that and I saw what I'd have to read, I got even less tolerant with it. Mm. It was interesting because so it's about, you know, things going haywire on the ocean. Find these weird worms on the ocean floor where this company wants to drill. Whales start attacking boats and eating people. <laughs> <laughs> Crabs invade New York. Like a lot of things happen. Um, 
But it just, it was lacking too much to keep my interest going. So I, I even started, I did like a heavy skim for like another 200 pages. So that got me into the 500s. And then the next morning I thought, okay, I could do the same thing. I could do a heavy skim. I couldn't even do that. I started doing a light skim and then I just flipped to the back and read the last chapter, which I never do because like the last chapter usually doesn't tell you that much. Because yeah. there's that scene in, when Harry met Sally when they're arguing about being dark, and he's like, and Harry says, I'm so dark that when I start a new novel, I read the last chapter first in case I die before I finish it. That's dark, my friend, or whatever he says. And I always thought, well, that doesn't make much sense because the last chapter, you know, anyway. But I did find out from the last chapter, at least, you know, somebody who dies and somebody who's hooked up with somebody else and what's going on a little bit. But I decided I just couldn't do it. So that was a DNF for me. But you know what? I read like 300 pages. So it was like reading a real book. I was going to say, you read a novel. reading a real book. But yeah, I read. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, oh boy. But I just, I'm so confused about it. Because then I thought, well, is it just the poor translation? So I looked up the translator. I'm sorry I don't have her name here. And she actually won an award for that translation. Mm. Something like, okay, well. It's not the translation. What is it? I mean, maybe... (laughs) I'm just not cut out for techno thrillers because it's a techno thriller, which is usually a big, fat, thick book that has a lot of techno stuff that's a thriller, you know? And the only other ones I could think that I've read are like some Tom Clancy. Hmm. Which Which has a lot of detail, doesn't it? Yeah, it has a lot of detail. You know, that technical detail kind of stuff. So, yeah. So anyway, because I know it was an international bestseller, The Mm. Swarm, but it was not for me. Maybe it's for people who read, like, five books a year, though. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. so I think sometimes that's part of it when you when you mapped out your time, then you're looking at the books around you and thinking, Ugh, I know. that's a big commitment to take two it weeks is. or something. To I feel like book. I lost a whole week right. because of that book. There you go. I feel See. that way. And my wrists are sore. <laughs> so, I don't know if it's from the kayaking I've been doing or holding that damn five-pound book. <laughs> It's pretty funny because on one of our drives, you know, I was trying to give Chris encouragement, like, maybe you should get the audio and, you know, do half audio, half reading. But I guess none of it worked. No. No. But you know what? I'm glad that I gave it a good try because it had been sitting in my shelves for a long time and I really did want to read it. So now I feel like I I know. Yeah. And I can let it go and move on. And now there's space for four more books on your shelf. Yeah. Well, I listened to Bite by Bite by Janine Roth. It was a really short listen because it was, it's, um, I think it's like a workshop she does with people. So I want to say it was two hours and I listened to it kind of on a walk and it was done. And um, I talked about her a little bit last week or last episode. She, she does a lot of writing about eating and emotional eating and um, things like that. And this one was... It was a shot in the arm about thinking about your eating, what you're eating. She has seven habits for good eating, which I can't remember all of them, but they're things like, you know, don't read or watch TV when you eat. The not reading one is really hard because I love to read and eat, Mm -hmm. you know. Also, you know, like sit down, be present, don't be driving and stuff like that. So, So she has some really good insight as to how to be thoughtful and why we emotionally eat, what's behind that, you know. Yeah. So if you're looking for a little shot in the arm, it's not as in depth as some of her other books. 
Um, but it's definitely a good little roadmap and some insight to what she's like. Okay. I she she narrated it and I thought she was great. But there, I did read one review where someone was like, I, w- I like what she has to say, but I can't stand her voice. You know, yeah. I didn't feel that way. Okay. But, um, so Bite by Bite by Janine Roth. Oh, cool. Well, I, that's a nice segue. I'll, I also listened to a very short audio book. Dream More is the title mm-hmm. by Dolly Parton. Oh. And I, I heard about that first through Lisa, one of our uh, Booktopia friends who reviewed it on Goodreads. And I really enjoyed it. It's probably less than two hours. Maybe hour and a half, maybe, or something like that. And it's just a fun, short, motivational kind of book. Um, I think it must have come from initially a, uh, the commencement address she gave at University of Tennessee when they bestowed a honorable doctorate on her. Mm. And so she was like, what am I going to say to these kids? You yeah. know? Um, so she talks a bit about her life growing up and her music and just some points on how to live a life full of dreams that you're pursuing and things. And she sings in between, too. Oh. Which is fun. What lucky so, graduates those people I know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And she talks about her book foundation, too. Mm. It would have been just so incredible for so many kids. That's Imagination Library? No. I think so. Wait. Is that what it is? I'm not sure. I should know. I just listened to the darn thing. Yeah. I'll yeah. look it up while you're talking. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, she... I love Dolly Parton, and I've loved her since the 70s. When I, I think I first saw her on a, a John Denver TV show, uh, oh like one gosh. of those, you know. Yeah. Uh, what what would they call those types of shows? I don't know. It's like the them. Sunny and Shares yeah. and stuff. Like Where a variety show? A variety show, show that's yeah. it, yeah. And it, I think the, the song was Two Doors Down. That is like the first memory I have of her singing Two Doors Down, and they actually acted it out a little bit. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was adorable. But I just was so drawn to her positive energy and everything so that was a dream more by dolly parton read by dolly obviously and i think it's also in book form too but Mm -hmm. i would totally recommend this audio version because it's so short and peppy and who wouldn't want her talking in your ear exactly and it is um her her um foundation is the imagination library okay they've given a lot of books oh yeah like millions. millions like yeah something like 50 million or something mm-hmm. like that. And she yeah. said they're poised to eventually give away billions because yeah. they are, they're in North America, the UK. Yeah. And I have a feeling they're going to be moving to other parts of the world yeah. too, probably. Yeah. Oh, so such fun. a great thing. And she was motivated to start that because reading is such a big part of her life. And also because her father never learned to read or write. Mm. And she knows how much that affected his life. Yeah. Um, so she wanted to make sure kids... In her neck of the woods is where it first started. They had like this awful graduation rate from high school, something like a 30% graduation rate from high school mm. in their county. So they started donating at first with the high schooler kids. And then they realized that, well, the kids are coming into high school unprepared. So eventually they got down to the level of kids at home need to have books at home to read before they even get to school because so many of the kids were getting to school and already not prepared they're already way behind their other kids and as anyone knows when you have kids at such different levels in first grade or kindergarten it's who gets the attention and and what and so often if you're starting school 
already behind. It's such a hard way to cut. It's yeah. just almost impossible to catch up. Yeah, I wrote a paper on literacy in grad school, and the statistics are baffling. Yeah. And just even the number of words that kids who have books in the home, like the number of words they've been exposed to by the time they get to school is staggering compared to kids that don't have books at home, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, yeah. Imagination Library. Go Dolly. Go Dolly. I will definitely listen to that because I love her. Well, I also read a book by Janine Roth called This Messy, Magnificent Life, A Field Guide. This book just came out. It's her newest book, and it's um, it was really fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, you know, she's getting, getting on in age, as they say. I mean, I don't think she's that old. So it was really just kind of looking at life and deciding kind of it's one of those don't sweat the small stuff kind of things Mm -hmm. and why do we get ourselves worked up and how do you maintain your sanity in this world that we live in and it didn't overwhelm me it wasn't a wow but there were there there were certain the way they did it is each chapter had a quote pulled out at the top and those were kind of the cool parts I thought were the Mm -hmm. quotes and then towards the very end she had again some you know kind of cut to the chase ideas of how to manage your life Okay. And I thought they were good. Mm. But like I said, it didn't wow me. It's not your 2018 nonfiction no, book. No, I'm still on the still hunt. looking for, okay. Yeah. And Cecile Richards was good, mm-hmm. but it's still not the, like, help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> help, I need help. But, um, so if you've never read Janine Roth, I'm not sure that this is the book I would start with. Okay. Um, she has quite a backlist, and I would look at her backlist and see if one appeals. Okay. So. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I finished um, the Chicago Poems of Carl Sandburg. Yay! Just really a uh, fun thing to read. I There are so many really wonderful poems. Mm-hmm. And then some that I, I didn't really, you know, I read them and turned the page and yeah. didn't think much of. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Really good, good stuff. You. I mean, you obviously know what his themes are, I, or any poet's themes are when you read a collection like that. Yeah. I've never done that. I've never read a poetry book from start to finish. Oh. I think the only one I've done other than this is Emily Dickinson's Complete Poems, mm. which is also amazing. Yeah. I mean, I've read, I shouldn't, I, I've read little poetry yeah. in the collection, you know, yeah. but like I've never read someone's entire yeah. collection. That's well, so cool. let me back up. This is not his collected works. Oh, this okay. is just his Chicago poems oh, okay. that were, uh, I guess it was, I'm not even sure if it was initially a collection. It was a collection that came out. Chicago poems, and I think I've said before 1914-15, somewhere around there. But this edition that I read also had poems, I think, from other collections that he put out. But these are poems, supposedly, that all deal with Chicago. Oh, guys. However, I'm not really sure because, uh, well, supposedly that's the intent of this, is that it's all poems dealing with Chicago. However, there were poems in there dealing with water that has tides and that is salt water. And that is not Chicago. Lake Michigan yeah. is not salt water. They're not tides. Maybe Chicago. that was just the editor being a little confused. <laughs> the, who knows? Or, or yeah. the, maybe the themes were still very yeah. strong in that. Yeah. But um, it was it was really neat to read. I'm glad I did because he's known for his poetry. He won like what did we say two or three Pulitzers. Yeah, yeah. In his day, good for you. Yeah. That's yeah. great. You really stuck with that. Yeah, I'm thinking I might do that with another poet. But I'll, you know, I'll give it a couple weeks or a couple months mm-hmm. and decide. Yeah. I was looking at the book expo stuff, mm-hmm. and there was a panel on poetry, Ooh. on new poets, and talking about how poetry is so hot right now. 
Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Right on. Oh, good. I have to get my book expo calendar together. And you know what? I have to say, Carl Sandburg did remind me a little bit about uh, of Walt Whitman. And in the introduction, it did say that he was really inspired by Walt Whitman, which I think so many American poets are. Yeah. And I think if I had to choose, not that anybody's asking, <laughs> Carl Sandburg or Walt Whitman, I think I would still choose Walt Whitman because I think he is so amazing. Oh, good. Leaves of Grass. Biblio Adventures? Wow, we have had some Biblio oh, Adventures. Man. What do we start with? Uh, well, the first thing was Independent Bookstore Day for me. Yep. Because that was right after we recorded last time. So Independent Bookstore Day, I went up to the book club bookstore and more because my wife, Laura, had an event there for her book, which was great. She had a wonderful time. And while she was doing that, I went to read at the library. For the Dewey's Readathon. For the, yeah, Dewey's 24-hour Readathon, where I was attempting to read The Swarm. <laughs> Well, you got a lot done that day. You read 200 pages, I, did. I think. Yeah. I got, yeah, I got a good chunk into that. Yeah. So, and it was good. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So that was my first Biblio adventure. And I went to see Meg Wolitzer last week at RJ's Julia Booksellers in Madison. And she's um, doing a tour with her new book, The Female Persuasion, which is a work of fiction, mm-hmm. even though it sounds kind of nonfiction-y to me, it the does, title. Yeah. Um, and she was great. She was very interesting. She read a little too long for mm-hmm. my taste, but mm-hmm. everyone knows my taste is like, you know, three minutes or shorter in yeah. reading. <laughs> um, but she's obviously very intelligent. She has quite a backlist, and I have heard from people. I've only read her book, The Interestings. I haven't read any of her backlist, mm-hmm. and I've heard that her backlist is even better than her newer stuff. I don't know. I'm not speaking from any of my own experience with that. She does have a book called The Wife, and she announced that that's coming out as a movie this summer. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone who enjoys reading a book that and then going to see the movie you might mm-hmm. go back to her backlist it's very thin a friend of mine lent me a copy so I'm going to try to read it and you know the audience asked some good questions and they from this the tone of the conversation and the questions asked it's it sounded and what what Meg talked about it's kind of a book about a younger woman in college who comes into contact with someone who's very a, a very strong feminist character and kind of acts as a mentor for her in her life. That's about all I gleaned from okay. so I haven't read it, but okay. people there were very adoring and were buying the books right and left and getting okay. them signed, so I thought that was cool. Yeah. Cool. And and they also did a really good job of having quite a few of her backlist books available, which Sometimes you go to events for authors and they only have their most recent book, you know, mm-hmm. and they might talk about one of their other books and you, you want to go get it in your hands and then right. the store doesn't have it. But they had stacks of her books everywhere, right. which I thought was great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I don't think I've read anything by her. Yeah. I've only read the interestings because my book club decided to read it and it was, I, I enjoyed it. It was good. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. So then after that, for me anyway, the big event was Booktopia. Yes. Chris and I got in the car and we had a little road trip. We did. Now we should say for people who don't know, Booktopia is a multi-day event. Yes. That's really cool. It takes place at Northshire Bookstore up in Manchester, Vermont. Due to Booktopia, Chris and I are friends and know yes. each other. Historic Booktopia. Yes. And that was started by Ann and Ann Kingman, Michael Kindness, 
of Books on the Nightstand, a famous book podcast that is now in retirement. They started the Booktopia events. The first one ever was at North Shire in Vermont, and then they had some all over the country for a couple years. Right. And uh, Books, uh, North Shire is, is, they took the baton and right. they're carrying the flame. Yes. And it's multi-day, but Chris and I sadly could not t- attend like the, when you go for the multi-day, there are breakout sessions with the authors where you get to really talk one-on-one with them. There are, there's a big dinner and Yankee swap, Yankee swap (laughs) where you trade books. And so there's a lot of fun to be had, but she and I just went up on Saturday because on Saturday night, there's always an event with all of the authors that's in the bookstore that's open to the public. Yeah. It's the last event of Booktopia, and each author speaks for, like, what, 10, 15 minutes? Yeah. About whatever they want to. They can talk about their book or their experience, and so that's what we... And well, we got up there uh, for a late lunch. We had a late lunch, and it was great to see, like, from the get-go, so many familiar faces. Yeah. Because a lot of people who attend have attended for multiple years, yeah. Multiple years. Yeah. Yeah. Did that come out right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. Linda said that it's been going on for seven years, wow. which is amazing. Yeah. So it was really fun. And I'm just going to quickly read the list okay. of authors Sounds and their good. books, but um, we will then put a link to the show notes, a link in the show, not to the show notes, in the show notes to this list, which is really good. And you can read little bios of the authors. Ariel Lahan, I Was Anastasia. Bianca Murray, Hum If You Don't Know the Words, Heather Abel, The Optimistic Decade, Jonathan Miles, Anatomy of a Miracle, Pamela Paul, My Life with Bob, Peter Swanson, All the Beautiful Lies, Robin Oliviere, Winter's Sisters, Stephen McCauley, My Ex-Life. Pretty cool. They were all amazing. All amazing. And uh, Bianca Maris... Hum, if you don't know the word, she was filling in for Chloe Benjamin, who had planned on being there, but then wasn't able to make it. And mm-hmm. it was, she, Bianca stole everyone's hearts, I yeah. think. She was, usually there's one author that I hear more buzz about, and I feel like she was the one this year. Yeah. She's from South Africa. She's currently living in Toronto with her husband. And the book is a celebration of her her nanny. She's a white woman who grew up in South Africa with a nanny living maid who was black. And this is during apartheid. So the the story is about that and their relationship. And the woman in real life, I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. And it's, it's right here. Let's see, because she dedicates it to her. Eunice mm-hmm. is her name, um, who just had her 95th birthday. Yeah, I saw that on yeah. Twitter. So yeah. they're still very much um, in touch with each other, and this book is an, a tribute to her. So, yeah. And the obviously the pain of apartheid. Right. Yeah, it was a really lovely evening. I'm glad I went. I think Chris and I both really enjoyed ourselves and really enjoyed seeing everybody and feel like next year we want to do the whole thing again. again yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really felt so fortunate to be able to go for just the night and, yeah. and to see everybody. And I know next year our lives will be different. Yeah. Um, and hopefully they won't be as hectic and we can actually plan to go. I think I want to find the dates out as soon as possible, like we do. Because there's actually a Facebook group called Fans of Booktopia. Yeah. If anyone would like to find that and join the group, then you get to see, you know, you get the early announcements on what the dates are and who's going to be there and everything. Right. 
So. Yeah. And you can also go to the Northshire site. I don't know. They might even know already what they are. I mean, it's usually around this time. So, yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 May. Yeah, early May. Think, yeah. Or so. even end of April. So it was just it was great. Great to see everybody. Yeah. So many of so many of the repeat people yeah. were there and others weren't, but everybody had a fun time sharing pictures on that Facebook group. Yeah. And, and really touching nice. base. And then it's also just fun to go to Fans of Booktopia on Facebook because people post their their book hauls, you know, mm-hmm. and some of them are amazing. Yes. <laughs> and now some people carpool, but I know I saw a picture of a trunk yes. that was just full <laughs> of books, of shopping bags full of books yeah. from Northshire. Yeah, it was, it was great. Awesome. And we should say on the way up, on our drive up, we stopped at Williams College and went to their new oh, bookstore. Yeah. Right. Which I think is just called the Williams College Bookstore. It was awesome. cool. It's in a new building. It's very... I like Scandinavian design, and it had that feel to it. The light fixtures, the chairs, everything. Light-colored wood. It's yeah. kind of... Some people would say stark, in yeah. a way. Um, I thought it was wonderful. It had a great and surprising, to me, YA and, and um, kids section. Yes, a lot of YA and middle readers and then younger kids' books. Mm. Just great, because it is a community bookshop. It's right. the only bookstore in town. Right. And then the upstairs has, you know, Williams paraphernalia and then the books for the classes, which I always love to stroll through. But it was just the end of the semester. So those shelves were empty. I started to prowl around and then I was like, oh, (laughs) I'll have to go back in the fall. And they do have a cafe in there that is uh, Tunnel City, which Tunnel City is a coffee shop across the street. Right. So it was delicious and beautiful pastries. So, yeah, that was a nice. Yeah, that was great to stop. And then on the way home, I'm using air quotes because we went a little (laughs) out of our way to get home. We went to the Northshire Bookstore in Saratoga Springs, New York. Yes. That was so fun to do because it was instead of heading south because Manchester is north of us, we had to shoot a little bit west. Right. Into New York. (laughs) But it was like an hour. We took a circuitous route home. Yes. Yeah. It was a beautiful drive. And I really enjoyed that bookstore. Somebody had said, mentioned it was smaller than mm-hmm. the Northshire in Manchester, Vermont, mm-hmm. but I didn't really feel that way. Did I think it's mean? smaller. It has less sidelines. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. And um, it has a smaller kids section. The kids section okay. in the at the Manchester store is huge. Well, the kids section was all upstairs. The whole upstairs was nothing but kids. Yeah, that's true. It's huge yeah. up there with this really cool train set. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it was smaller, but I don't think okay. it was, it wasn't tiny. Oh, hell no. no. And Saratoga Springs is another place you could go and spend a weekend and just shop around. I mean, yeah. it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So Neat historic town. Yeah. And there's the National Museum of Dance. Right. We drove past that on the way out of town, which I'd like to go back and check out. Yeah. And someone told me Saratoga Springs is known for its horse racing, which mm-hmm. I know nothing about, and I'm yeah. not a fan of that, but. Yeah, so um, they had, it was a big weekend because it was. Was it the Kentucky Derby or some yes. horse race? Yeah. And uh, they had a lot of horse books there and some horse paraphernalia. Horse sidelines, I should yes. say. Horsey stuff. Horsey stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it was a great store. Both of them are beautiful stores. So yeah. if you ever find yourself in the area and you're crazy book people like us, go to both yeah. stores. It's, it's just fun. Yeah. And the drives are beautiful. Chris mm-hmm. did all the driving, so I got to just look around and pretend like I was navigating or doing something, but I was really just enjoying the view because yeah, on the way up from, you know, and, and back, you drive through the Berkshires, which are beautiful. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. 
Rolling hills yes. in New England. And then I, unfortunately, Chris could not join me, but on Tuesday, I went and met our mutual friend, who, another Booktopia friend mm-hmm. from Montana, Julia. I met her in New York at Grand Central Station, and we thought some native New Yorkers were going to be joining us, and it ended up just being the two of us, so we okay. got on trains going the wrong way, <laughs> we got off trains and walked the wrong way, we were laughing, we had so much fun, we spent more time traveling <laughs> and going the wrong way than we did in the bookstores, but that's okay. Because yeah. you guys were trying to get to Brooklyn, right? Yeah, we, were, yeah. we, we did via the wrong side of New York, but um, it was really fun, we laughed so much, and we went to Book are Magic, which is owned by the author Emma Straub. She has quite a backlist, but she's most recently known for The Vacationers and Modern Lovers. And I almost felt like you could tell an author owned the store. I mean, it's a really cool part of Brooklyn. You know, Brooklyn's pretty hip. Julia and I were laughing about how much we didn't fit in. Um, But the store is kind of like it's all open, exposed, um, you know, ceiling, that kind of a feel, cement floor. But it's so well curated. Yeah. I mean, there would be books from an author, but it wasn't their most recent book, but it was their best book. You yeah. know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah. And um, they had a great little kids section. They had a great cookbook section. Um, a few cards. They didn't have a lot of sidelines. They did have this great mug that I mm-hmm. got that we'll put a picture out somewhere on social media because the name of the store is Books Are Magic, and that's on the mug, which I just loved. And they also have tons of amazing events. Like that night that we were there, well, we weren't there at night or we would have gone. We were there during the day. Jasmine Ward was there. Get out. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, the night before the Duplass brothers were out to talk about their, were out, were there to talk about their new memoir. So they have unbelievable events. And um, a lot of them are not in the store because the store is pretty small, but mm-hmm. I think they're in, you know, the the neighboring community okay. at different venues. So, so that was fun. And then we got on the train, went the right way on the train and then walked the wrong way off the train, <laughs> but got to the new McNally Jackson in Williamsburg. Fantastic store. I think the McNally Jackson in New York is probably my favorite store I've been to. Okay. In, in, I mean, in Manhattan. This one, same. I mean, incredible magazine section. Mm-hmm. I got a magazine called Delicious from the UK that I had never seen before. They have a great section of literary journals. I mean, I think I pretty much spent my hour at those two things. But then they're the store, Chris and I talked about this when we went to their other store in Manhattan, that has, you know, um, sections for like British authors, mm-hmm. Australian authors. I mean, you just don't see that at bookstores. Yeah. They had poetry chat books, you know, mm-hmm. just things you don't typically see. They also have fantastic stationery. Um, that's going on. Did they have that? Their, their new store was similar. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Good to hear. And and remember, in Manhattan, they have now just a stationary store also. Fine. But they had really fantastic stationery at this store in Williamsburg. Um, Julie and I had a had had a good laugh because. There were so many people in there with young kids, and there were so many strollers. Yes, you texted me a parked, picture of that. Yeah, there were so many strollers parked in this one section. You couldn't get to that section of books. It yeah. was pretty funny because there was a little event for kids going on. So, <laughs> so we had a great time. I went in. I was kind of like a commuter, you know. I went in on a seven thirty train and came home on a five thirty train, mm-hmm. and we packed in a lot of 
a lot of good laughs and a lot of good uh, it's great. reading or, yeah. or strolling through stores. So Very cool. Yeah. yeah, I was bummed. I couldn't join you guys. You know, we were sad. We missed you. So did you have, where did you go to eat? We, well, that was the other thing. I had looked online and I thought they had a cafe because the McNally Jackson's in the city has a great cafe. And so we walked in and I said, oh, where's the cafe? And he said, oh, we don't have a cafe. Oh, interesting. And I swear online I had seen that. So I must have been mm. looking at the wrong store. So we just ended up at a really delicious deli right around the corner okay. and got sandwiches and could eat outside. It was a beautiful spring day, yeah. which was another part of what made it nice. Because we haven't had much spring yet mm-hmm. here, you know. Yeah. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, have you heard uh, the Center for Fiction is moving to Brooklyn? Yes. They have moved, I think. Did they move? Oh, yeah. I thought they were... Oh, maybe not. Moved. I oh, thought they I had know. moved. I'm thinking, like, that's weird. I mean, they're saying people just don't go to Midtown for events anymore. And I'm thinking, like, uh, yeah, but how many people from outside of the city will go down to Brooklyn? Because it's so convenient, anything in Midtown, because yeah. of the Grand Central being right there. I think they're probably moving because rents, but that's just a guess. I yeah. Mean, that, you know, because rents are really high in New York. It's moving a lot of people out. Mm-hmm. In the city, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a chronic problem. Yes, in yeah. all cities. All right. So upcoming Any- adventures. Well, I'll be going to the city this Sunday for a show. Oh, um, nice. Encores at City Center. And I'm, I'm looking at my time and I'm thinking like, well, do I have time to hit a bookstore? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. One thing I was thinking of, oh, and I should back up and say the day that you went to New York... I did sit, take some time, and I went to the local cemetery, and I found Fitzgreen Halleck's plot. Oh, wow. I found his monument. He's you know you know the cemetery that's right on Boston Street with the big cannon in it. Yeah. So when you take the first drive in there, that's closest to the green. You take the first road in, and you head down. It's the big monument that's right at the end of that first row. And I was like, get out! I used to walk in that cemetery all the time when I worked down. Near the green. So there it is. It's a lovely... Um, is it a phallic symbol? Oh, yeah. It is a phallic. <laughs> it is How a big phallic thing. Um, and, and ironically, at the base of it, it has his name and his date. So Fitzgreen Halleck, 1790 to 1867. And then it says, one of the few immortal names that were not born to die. Oh, my. And I thought, well, let's bring him back. <laughs> but, yeah, so we'll, we can post a picture on the... The website, but here you can see my picture there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's a, there are yeah. a lot of these, you know, kind of phallic y looking, um, yeah. tall monuments, yeah. that, as they say, tall, yeah. tall, skinny. Um, yeah. I should also say this is the <laughs> same, the same cemetery where Cinderella is buried. And when people come to visit and they want the tour of Guilford, I always take them there to, to see Cinderella. Um, and now I'll take them to see Fitzgreen Halleck as well. But this is something I spotted from walking around, it's a headstone. Nice one, and not not too ostentatious or anything. Matthew Boone, 1859 to 1929. Cinderella, his wife, 1874 to 1929. So somebody was actually named Cinderella. Wow. Like, you don't... I didn't, anyway, think of Cinderella as being somebody's actual name. No. So I wonder if it went through a period when it was a little bit popular, or Hmm. if there's some backstory there. But they both died in 1929, mm. which makes me wonder if it was an accident or an illness mm-hmm. or something. Mm. Yeah. So anyway, so that was a bit of a biblio adventure, yes. too. So anyway, what I was saying about the going on Sunday is that I might 
go to Central Park was oh, one nice. option too. Yes. I was thinking and and doing the literary walk and finding his monument there. Nice. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what the weather's like and and everything. Yeah. But that oh, might fun. be a fun thing to do. Oh, cool. I'm also going to New York City next week at the end of the week, so I'm going to put on Ellen on the case and see if there's something fun for us to do. I started looking and got overwhelmed, mm, so yeah. I'll be there over the weekend. Um, and then May 16th, this in the middle of the week, next week, Heather Abel, the author of The Optimist, Optimistic Decade, mm. one of the Booktopia authors, is going to be at RJ's. Yeah, I saw that. In yeah. Madison. And I didn't really, you know, we didn't go to any of the breakout sessions. So if I have time, I'm going to try to get to see her because her book sounds really interesting. It does, yeah. 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 So. I know the day before, on May 15th at 7 p.m., there at RJ uh, Madison, Chandra Prasad is going to be there. She's a local author of young adult books and. She there was a write up on her in the local paper hmm. a couple weeks ago. So when I saw her name, I got excited. I I didn't write down the name of her book, so I apologize. I don't have it, but we'll put it in the show notes. But her latest book is hearkening a bit to Lords of the Flies. Oh, I remember it's a reading that article. Team yeah, and they're they're plane crashes, and it's girls who get stranded on this island. Yes. Yes. I thought that might be interesting to check out. Yeah, um, I remember reading about that. That sounds great. Yeah. And then on May 25th, up at uh, Wesleyan, RJ Julia, Lisa Coe is going to be in town. Oh, cool. Apparently her paperback tour. Yeah, and she's a graduate. Of Wesleyan. Of Wesleyan, it looks like. So, yeah, and that's a Friday night event at 730. I don't know if I'd be, I don't know if I can attend that or not, but. I wanted to put it out there because I love The Leavers. Yeah. It's a book that came out, oh, sorry, last year and really good read. Yeah. Oh, cool. And I know she's been on a big paperback tour, so. Yeah. Cool. And this is something that everyone should know about. May 26th is World Dracula Day. Oh, my. I'm going to go mark that on my calendar so, yes. right now. Put it on your calendar, everybody. <laughs> big red star. <laughs> Dripping blood yes. off of it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All gosh. right. Any upcoming reads for you, my oh, dear? Oh, my gosh. I cannot decide what to read first. So, okay, I brought a big stack of books. I have Linda Greenlaw's new one, Ooh. The Mini Twist. Mm. comes out in June. I'm reviewing that for Criminal Element, so I and might that's be... another Jane Bunker mystery. Yes, yes. That's the third, right? Um, the third or the fourth, I think, yeah. And they used to take place in a small town in Maine. I enjoy those. <laughs> then I did get a copy of Home If You Don't Know the Words. By uh, Bianca Murray, who was Murray. one of the Booktopia authors. Yeah. Now, this, this other book, In the Dark, now, um, this is by Andreas Fluger, is the writer's name. I heard about it. Through Mrs. Peabody, Mrs. That's a, a Cat Hall. She's a a writer and a translator and an academic. That Miss P, Mrs. Peabody is her handle on Twitter. But she does a panel on the Bloody Scotland Mystery Crime Conference on German mystery on mm-hmm. creamies creamies as they're called. And this is one of the books that she mentioned. She's going to have the author there. Um, at that panel. So I wrote down all the names of all of the writers that were going to be there. And this one attracted me because this is about a blind police detective. Mm. I thought it would be a very different thing. Apparently she was injured 
and has been recuperating and now she's blind and trying to solve a crime. Ooh. Yeah. Seems Should hard to going? do when you're blind. Sure. Yeah. Well, I like the ones from um, Emma Visick so yeah. much, her series uh, that started with Resurrection Bay with the deaf right. investigator. Yeah. Um, this next book, this one's not coming out until October, but um, I the publicist asked if I was interested in it. It's a new book from Tin House, and it's called Bitter Orange by Claire Fuller. And it is a thriller. Somebody's compared it to, like, Daphne du Mars' Rebecca. And it just sounds kind of wonderfully creepy. Mm. A twisty, thorny, darkly atmospheric page turner. And I love the cover. Yeah, it's got a beautiful yeah, cover. Yeah, beautiful cover. Of oranges. Oranges and green leaves. Um, the next book is by Sandy Jones, The Other Woman. Mm. And this one comes out August 21st. And what I liked about this was it's from Minotaur Books, mm. who I love. They just had a wonderful marketing campaign about it. So I got an email that said something about, like, you know, I have to warn you about Pammy. And then the next day I got another email from a different character's perspective. And then the next day the book shows up on my front step. Oh, that's fantastic. With a really lovely, it wasn't just in a mailer. It was in a mailer with marketing on the front of it. I'm like, okay, that is cool and a little creepy. I would put that one yeah. high on the list. I know, yeah. So I'm really excited about that. Another new one that's coming out uh, July 24th, Something in the Water by Katherine Stedman. And this one, is she, the, it's a, she's an actor. She was on Downton Abbey. Hmm. She played Mabel Lane Fox on Downton Abbey, and this is her first novel. I thought it sounded good. One of the taglines is, have you ever wondered how long it takes to dig a grave? Oh, God. This is about a couple. <laughs> they're on their honeymoon, honeymoon, and they find something in the water. Oh, creepy. Yeah, I'll see. Well, maybe that'll make up for the swarm water <laughs> Oh, stuff. I know, right? And then the last one that I have here is called Black Chamber, and it's by S.M. Sterling. And it's an alter- alternative history novel set during World War One. Hmm. With a woman spy. Wow. So I thought this sounded really interesting. Set in 1912. You better go. You got a lot of reading to do. Oh, I know. I have a lot of reading to do. And (laughs) you know what? I bought two other books when I was up at Northshire. And um, what was interesting was that there was a shipwreck some years ago. The El Faro. I don't know if anybody remembers that. So it, it was a big American container ship that went down. During a bad storm. And it was controversial because a lot of people are saying, how can a big ship go down when we have all this technology, all of these weather reportings and everything? So the book that I picked up was Into the Raging Sea, 33 Mariners, One Mega Storm, and the Sinking of El Faro. And it's by Rachel Slade. What's interesting is this book just came out and there are two other hardcover books from other publishers that just came out about the same ship and the sinking. Hmm. So it's a big deal. I had all three of them in my hands at one point, and I thought, I just, I know, I need to, I need to have some discipline. So I ended up um, just getting the one. So I want to read a nonfiction too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I'm reading the library one, so mm-hmm. we'll see. But I, I do want to start one of these novels. I also picked up a book called Dot Journaling: A Practical Guide. How to start and keep the planner, to-do list, and diary that'll actually help you get your life together. 
and that's by Rachel Wilkerson Miller. Kind of like um, a bullet journaling. Mm -hmm. And I I liked her chapters and categories and examples and stuff because I've wanted to try a bullet journaling or dot journaling, as she calls it. But I don't know. People are really gaga about it. Yeah. The people, or, or converts, I should say. The people who mm-hmm. really do it. Yeah. So that'd be interesting. I mean, I love it. journals. I love pencils and pens. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm trying to get more organized. I might not use it as my calendar, but I like the idea of using it for tracking things. Mm-hmm. Like tracking goals. One, she had like an example of tracking your reading, like tracking different books. And maybe having like little boxes for each chapter. Mm. And kind of coloring them in as you go as a little guide to help you. Mm. I don't know. Well, kind of interesting. Yeah, so we'll see yeah. if I end up actually using that. But I kind of got that one for both Laura and I to play around with. Cool. Yeah. You better get busy. Yeah. Well, I picked up when we were up at Northshire, I picked up Not That Bad, which is Dispatches from Rape Culture, edited by Roxanne Gay. Definitely not going to be a light read. No. Um, I offered to start reading it to Chris on the drive home, and she turned me down. <laughs> yeah, well, I had read the, I read her intro when yeah. we were at the Williams Bookstore, Yeah, and I really liked the intro, but yeah, yeah I wasn't in the mood to, no. to hear about that on the way home. <laughs> it's not necessarily a read aloud either, I might say. Oh, no. But there's a, um, well, I'm saying, you know, oh, you know, it's yeah. more when you have to read it and kind of sit with it, so, and we were on vacation. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, 24 hours. <laughs> yes. But there's a long list of different um, people who've written essays in Roxanne. And edited it and as Chris said she um, Roxanne has an introduction in it that um, I had just started and that's as far as I've gotten into it but I am I guess it's an odd one to say you're looking forward to it but I'm interested in mm-hmm. I'm very interested in it and then the other one is something I can't remember where I read it but I got really excited when I read about it and found it um, in the West Hartford library system and went and got it. And it's called The Thorn Necklace, Healing Through Writing and the Creative Process by Francesca Leah Block. So it's a book about writing, but then also, you know, kind of a self-helpy way of using your writing to heal. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And then I also have, um, I listened to a podcast that's been going on for a long time. It's a it's a gentleman who does book reviews for the Dayton Daily News, which was my old hometown paper in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And um, his name is Vic McCunis, mm-hmm. and he has his um, radio show. I should say it wasn't really a podcast; it was a radio show for years, and now mm-hmm. it's available as a podcast. Okay, is called the Book Nook, and he likes to read like thrillers and mysteries and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. that's typically what he reads. I discovered Richard Powers, the author of The Overstory. I discovered The Echo Maker from Vic McCunis. I discovered American Rust by, oh no, I can't remember his name. The guy who wrote The Sun. Yeah, Meyer? Philip Meyer, yes, very good. Um, So he's really introduced me to different authors, and I was listening to his interview with Laura Lipman the other day, Mm -hmm. and she has a new um, book out called Sunburn. Um, The Washington Post says she's one of the best novelists around, period. And um, it's a, I think it's a mystery kind of thriller. Yeah. Probably more mystery. She's pretty big in the genre, yeah. Yeah. And I love, too, that the, it comes with a bookmark that has a, a recipe for a drink, that must be the drink that one of the characters has. And I got this um, from the publisher, so thank you. Um, and who is the publisher? 
Um, Harper Collins. Oh, great. Um, yeah, and William Morrow is the imprint. So thank you to them. It's got a really cool cover, and I have a feeling it's going to be a page turner. Yeah. Very cool. And then also upcoming read for me, and this is a little, um, what should we call this, Chris? A little... Teaser? Teaser, yeah. I have Little Women on my list to read by Louisa May Alcott. I've never read it. There's a reason I'm reading it. (laughs) And we're just going to tease with that right now. More to come on episode 49. Excellent. Happy reading, (laughs) everyone. Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. To keep the bookish conversation going online, join our Goodreads group or connect with us on social media. If you'd like to contribute to our hunt for a good read, you can donate on Patreon. And if you have a minute to review us on whatever app you use to listen to us, we appreciate it. It can help other listeners find us. Thanks, everybody.